Lions, Bengals, and Bears, none of my guys scared. Chase rumbling, any one of them guys there. Wayne Young and he hungry, I pray we patient with him. I pray he leave with some money, I pray he leave with his health. Yeah, uh, the physical and mental. The thing I like about football is that stats kill opinions. This rap shit, I lick the niggas, I ain't about to knock it. This whole summer I was buying all the winter product. And I tried being peaceful, but my peace was getting bothered. So no doubt we got them eagles, we go Carson Wentz, Stefani. Okay, 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 okay. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 169 of Electrified. I am your host, Eric Lyons. Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. We are on the cusp of Super Wild Card Weekend. It's not regular Wild Card Weekend. It's Super Wild Card Weekend. We got games on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. You know, I didn't think about the short week until, I mean, I don't know. Is it really a short week? It's a shorter week. It's different than playing on a Saturday or Sunday. Like, you, you have a Monday night game, and then in the winter, again, the winter plays on Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. I don't know how I, feel, how I would feel about having a playoff game on a Monday night. I don't know how I feel about Monday night football outside of the record season, but these are unprecedented times. This is, an, uh, this is an unprecedented season. We have had 18 weeks of football, 17 game season. Um, what a season it has been, man. What a season it has been. Uh, and then, you know, once the season wraps up, you know what happens the Monday after. Black Monday comes and goes. and uh, mm. We can start there. We can start with the coaching carousel and what has happened. If you are wondering, you know, why people are up in arms or why people are upset, think about this. I, 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 I've said this multiple times about the percentage of black players there are in the NFL compared to the amount of black coaches there are in the NFL. Coming into the 2021-2022 season, we had three black head coaches. After this week, we now have one active black head coach who actually has a game Saturday. He has a playoff, or Sunday, excuse me. He has a playoff game this weekend, and he has had 15 straight winning seasons. Mike Tomlin is the last man standing. I did not understand why Brian Flores got fired. I still don't. First season, you go 5-11. and 11. Second season, you go 10-6. and six. This past season, you start off, what, 0-7. You finish the season 9-8, and eight, and you sweep the New England Patriots. That's not something to call for. The Bills didn't sweep the Pats. Jets sure as hell didn't sweep the Pats, but the Jets, but the Dolphins did. You're dealing with a situation where the quarterback situation isn't the greatest, but you're still managing to win games. Beat the Ravens in prime time. Like, the Dolphins, they did not have a bad season. But still, Brian Flores found himself on the chopping block. Two seasons with winning records. Two straight winning record seasons. And they chop his head off. Why don't black head coaches get room to grow? Why don't they get that that? Why aren't they afforded that luxury? I know you're probably going to be like, oh, what about Joe Judge? He got, we're going to get to Joe Judge. But right now I'm talking about Brian Flores. Why don't black head coaches get the chance to grow? There's always something. Oh, and it's never football. It's never football related. Because what I'm hearing, what the word is, it was something going on with him and the GM. And a lot of people thought it was going to be the GM that got the boot. But no, 
it was the head coach. I don't know if him and Tua weren't on the same page because of the Deshaun Watson situation, but I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think what really was a slap in the face before Joe Judge got fired was initially the word was he was staying. Like, when that was the word, it was like, bro, are you serious? Like, this guy who ran a third, on third and nine, ran a quarterback sneak out of his own red zone. He gets to, he kept his job longer than Brian Flores, essentially. Like, that just rubbed me the wrong way, man. I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I mean, I've talked about this last year. I've talked about this the year before. I had an entire episode dedicated to stuff like this. And it just keeps happening. And then what what also happens is you talk about the Byron Left Witches. You talk about the Eric Bienemies and oh, oh, and Brian Flores now that he's available. Oh, these guys are going to get a bunch of interviews, they're going to get a bunch of calls. But are they going to fill these vacancies? Are they? Quite frankly, if I was the if I was in that field, and then I was a coach in the NFL, I would much rather be a coordinator, offensive defensive coordinator, uh, uh, a backs coach, something. I I wouldn't want to be a head coach. The lifespan for a black head coach is so much shorter. We are not Mike Tomlin. Or Tony Dungy. Like, you can go back to the Jim Caldwell thing. Look how they did him in Detroit. They don't give them a chance to grow. They don't give them a chance to grow. It's it's insane. But I would much rather be a coordinator. Because I'm not saying blackhead coaches can't handle the pressure. but Look at what you're up against. You're up against a system that's set up for you to fail. Look at what happened in Houston. First of all, we already know the Houston Texans are run by not so uh, friendly people when it comes to minorities. I mean, we can go back to Kyle McNair, the father of Bob McNair. I mean, I mean Bob McNair, the father of uh, Kyle McNair, when he referred to the Houston, Texas players as inmates. Then there was a situation with Kyle McNair where he used anti-Asian slurs. This is, this is, these are people who are run, running a football team, but they keep their jobs, though. They go on and hire a black head coach. And and they bring him into one of the messiest situations in the NFL. I mean, look at the Houston Texans top to bottom. Top to bottom. Last year, they go 4-12 and with Deshaun Watson leading the league in passing yards. That is a bad football team. That's a bad football team. Then you bring in a man and... What is he supposed to do with this? What is David Culley supposed to do with this? Without without Deshaun Watson now. How did he manage to win four games? I have no clue. But this Houston Texas team as a whole didn't give up on him when they could have. They set him up for failure. And I'm actually happy for him because, one, they had to pay him the rest of his contract. So he gets a a $22 million payout, basically. A settlement. Yeah, here, here's $22 million to get the hell out of here. I mean, because who would want to coach there? When they didn't give Eric Bieniemy an interview last year, I was happy because who wants to go there? That organization is very toxic. Very toxic. Very nasty organization. Good luck to whoever gets it gets the job next. 
But David Cully was essentially the guy who had to take the rap for everything because he didn't make this mess. These are messes that have been made. I mean, you can go back to the the, the D-Hop trade, the mishandling of J.J. Watt. Like, the Houston Texans were, what, two quarters away from a Super Bowl a couple years ago? And now look at them. So these are messes that have been made. And then you bring in David Culley. And you give him one season to turn this thing around. Without proper help. Without a quarterback. You don't even give him an, uh, an off season. You don't even give him another off season. And, and another chance to uh, try to right this ship that has been sink. This, the ship has been sunk. The ship has been Titanic. The iceberg has been hit. I don't get it. I don't get it. I guess that's why they call it Black Monday. Yeah? But you go back to the other coaches who got fired. Let's start off with the Vikings. Mike Zimmer, three playoff appearances in eight seasons. Best record, 13-3. and three. The Vikings with 8-9 and nine this past season. He has an overall record of 72 56 and 1. The GM got canned as well. I mean, that's just. Look at the Vikings, man. The Vikings were. A, they were a little thorn in Green Bay's side for a while, for a couple years on the backside of the 2010s. But, you know, when, when an owner or a franchise gets tired of medi- mediocrity, it's, it's time for him to go. But, you know, he has had an okay eight seasons, but they it's not working no more. It's not working anymore. Matt Nagy, one playoff appearance in four seasons. Best record was 12-4. and four. That was the first season. Since then, it's three straight losing seasons. 21 in, uh, in 2021, they went 6-11, 34-31 overall. The GM got canned as well. They're tired of losing. They're tired of losing. Three straight losing season, get him out of here. That's how it should be done. He shouldn't get four or five more seasons. If you don't see a future with this guy, what's the point? Now, you can say that about Cully or Brian Flores, but I just don't see that. Two straight winning seasons? How do you look at that and say, oh, no, he's got to go? Like, what makes you look at Brian Flores and says, oh, no, he's got to go when we're talking about X's and O's? Vic Fangio, Broncos, three losing seasons in three years. Best record was 7-9. and nine. 21 record, 2021 record, 7-10, and 19-30 overall. I mean, the Broncos just can't seem to get right at all on both sides of the ball. You know, they're in the wild, wild AFC West, and they are far behind in the pack. So let's talk about Joe Judge. First, let's play an audio clip from episode, what was it, episode 89 of me asking who the hell is Joe Judge. The NFL gets more colorful at the top. Those mid-level Jobs of, of of power, coaching, de-coordinate, they won't be filled by black men or men of color. Or women of color, excuse me. It won't happen. It won't happen. It's sad, but it's true. It really is. You look at, you know, and they continue to, it's obvious they continue to move the goalposts for these unknown, unproven, unheard of coaches. White head coaches. They move the goalposts for them. Oh, you guys don't know. You know, he's a good player's coach. He's He's got good relationships, blah, blah, blah. He's been here. He, he's talked to this guy. He knows him. He came from... Really? 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 So it's a who you know, not what you know. In most cases. But you would think at the coaching at the highest level of football, it would be more what you know, not who you know. Think about where he is. Like, think about what he did. Okay, you got two years as a special teams assistant for Alabama. Does that mean you were 
really bumping shoulders, bumping elbows with uh, Nick Saban? Probably not. Were you really, you know, getting in your Belichick bag like that? Probably not. So I don't really want to hear that who he was under. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. You look at Jim Swartz. Jim Swartz can get a call. He can get a call from uh, Cleveland, but but Jim Caldwell can't. Jim Caldwell, who who has done amazing things, better overall record than Jim Swartz. Jim Swartz is a loser, bro. I'm sorry. As a head coach, coordinator, I'm not taking nothing away from him. He did, he did, he's doing well, did well with the Eagles. But as a head coach, come on, dog. Come on, dog. Jim Caldwell had a better head coaching career than that. Come on. Come on, dog. See, and, and, and what it really is, what you really want to, if you want to really get down to it, I hate to have to do this, but it's the truth. You know, the black guys, black men can put their they they can put their bodies and and everything on the line, but having a role in leadership, I guess that's just too much. I guess that's just too much. You they they say eighty five percent of the league is color, but they don't want to see the black men, the, the men of color, take over these positions of power because they know change will come, and they don't want that. They don't want that. They want to keep it like it is. Keep keep the 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 the, the people of color as low tier as possible, and keep everything up top up top as white as possible. It's the truth. It's the truth, man. Black athletes walked in the trap, took over the trap, and they're scared that the guys will follow in the steps of Mike Tomlin, Tony Dungy's, Lovey Smiths, Jim Caldwell's. Guys like that They're scared that more of those will come about Because at some point They won't be able to stop it anymore It it just won't be able to be stopped But as of right now In the year 2020 We're still talking about this It's it's, it's, you know They're doing as much as they can To keep it out And when you look at this situation This Joe Judge situation It just makes it so blatant I had never heard of Joe Judge before Monday. I swear. I swear I haven't. I didn't need to know him. I had no reason to know him. The Patriots are eliminated. I didn't need to know who the Patriots wide receiver fill in a wide substitute wide receiver coach was, especially after the performance they've had this season. When I got the bleacher report Monday morning or Tuesday morning, whenever I woke up that morning, I said, Who the hell is Joe Judge? Literally, first words out of my mouth when I woke up. Eyes crusty and everything. Who the hell is Joe Judge? And still on Friday morning, on Friday. Yeah, I've I've done my research, but it's still as a head coach. Who the hell is Joe Judge? That was legit confusion. Legitimate confusion. Still confused. Still. Because how the hell did Joe Judge get that job? I mean, bro, that's like if I go out and I apply to be, I don't know, what what's something I have no business doing. Let's say I go apply and I'm an engineer or no, I'm an architect. I'm an architect now and they're about to pay me upwards of $800,000 to build something new in the city, right? Math was never my strongest subject. Um, I took, what, two years of engineering in middle school. Um, I played Minecraft. Uh, I played Sims. Um, I have good experience with Legos and blocks. Um, but I, I, I've never, you know, I'm not good with the, uh, oh, yeah, I also took engineering in high school. So, yeah, you know what, hire me. Don't have a degree in it, no. Uh, don't have any prior experience, no, no, no. References, um, one, you know, I know a couple good engineering teachers. Oh, yeah, Eric, you got the job. That's like, that's basically how Joe Judge got the job. Wasn't a coordinator. No previous head coaching experience of any sort. But somehow he was fit to run the New York Giants. And what has happened since then. And he's supposed to be a special teams guy, right? They've had like the worst special teams. 
So when guys like that get jobs and we got to cross our fingers and wear our pajamas inside out for somebody like Eric Bieniemy, who is beyond qualified to be a head coach in this football league. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. So not only are these average coaches, you know, afforded more time, they just, they can get these jobs. Like I had a, I look, I love Josh McCown. He's great in NFL. It was, you know, he's a good quarterback. Wasn't really a star, but, you know, he's a, He's a, like a, a myth. These guys play for almost every team. Love Uncle Josh, right? But I had a debate in a group message last night because somebody said, how was he a, you know, a head coaching candidate? And I was agreeing. And he was like, um, I think he did some offensive work and he coached in high school. So Josh McCown has coached in high school, everybody. So that means he's fit to run a bunch of grown men. Oh, yeah, also he was a quarterback. So, yeah, he should be a head coach. No. No, that's not enough for me. That resume is too light, in my opinion. But this is this is where it goes. This is how it goes, though. Like, I'm looking at all the head coaching candidates right now that I've, I've seen. Nathaniel Hackett, Kellen Moore, solid. Solid offensive coordinators. Solid. So, if we just looked... Like and then and then you if you could cut out college coaches who want to come up, I think we should do a year off of that. Eliminate them from the hiring pool, and let's just focus on what we got here in the NFL. There has to be a, a tweaking in the hiring system because look what happened with Urban Meyer. I told you guys from the jump that wasn't going to go right. Told y'all from the jump. From the jump. Y'all remember when I told y'all that John Gruden should have just sat his ass in that booth? And this is, I'm not even talking about uh, the stuff he got caught up with. I'm just talking about football. When was the last time John Gruden won anything? Bro, I was four years old. What the hell was John Gruden doing back in the, on the football field? Should have kept that ESPN gig. I told y'all that too. Guys getting hired off their names and, and and what they did back back how long? Come on, man. Come on. I just think that not even I'm not even talking about race right now. Or, you know, the black I'm just talking about experience and qualifications. I just feel like offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators shouldn't be getting passed up and over guys who are have no like I just feel like they're just unqualified. I don't know. It like I just I just feel like if you've never been involved with any type of play calling or at any level, I don't know, man. I don't know. But one head coach, one black head coach in the league right now, that's nasty, man. That's nasty. That has got to change. That's like like, I can't even get angry. I've already done the angry thing. I've already, ex- like, exuded all my anger. I'm just not surprised anymore, man. And it hurts because it's like... Like, remember when I talked about last year with Mike Tomlin? They tried to put Mike Tomlin on the hot seat um, multiple times before the season started. Then he, the stills were 10-0, and and it got quiet for that hot seat. Middle of the season this year, they're talking about him taking a USC job. Like, what? Why would he demote himself when he's done nothing but win in Pittsburgh? Like, come on, man. Come on. It'll be it would be crazy if they beat the Chiefs this weekend, right? Yeah. And I we're gonna get to that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it it's it's sad, man. It it really is. Um, it's just nothing you can, nothing you can say. And what really bothers me the most is when you got guys on Twitter, cause I follow Mike Silver, 
uh, used to work for NFL Network. I think he's with The Athletic now. Writer, uh, analyst, great guy. I love Mike Silver. Um, and he rides hard for the causes. Um, and, you know, he tweets about this heavily, like heavily. And people are in his mentions just calling him, you know, talking about race baiting. And, like, they're upset that he's addressing the blatant racism and systemic racism that's going on in the NFL. And it's like, if you are more upset about people calling out racism than the actual racism at work, you are not only, not only are you not, hold on, not only are you a part of the problem, but you're just belligerent. You are oblivious and you're choosing ignorance on purpose. You would much rather act like nothing is going on or get upset at the fact that it that things are happening and people are addressing them you rather continue to sweep them un, under the rug because it's i hate when people say it's political this is not oh yeah it, there is politics in nfl but i'm not talking about uh elephants and donkeys no i'm not talking about that this has nothing to do with who you vote for it's just the fact of the matter that here we are in 2022, years after the Rooney Rule has come about, and we have one black head coach in the NFL. How is that okay with anybody? How is that okay? I'm not saying we have to Black Panther the the head coach. <laughs> like I'm not saying fire every white coach in the league and give me. 32 black head coaches. I'm not saying it at all because there are some great, there are great head coaches in the league. This is not, this is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying every year when these coaches get fired, why aren't we at least trying to get two new black head coaches to fill these vacancies, man? Like, I don't know. Like, what is it? Eight right now? Hold on. We got the Vikings, the Bears, the Broncos. The Dolphins, that's four. The Giants, that's five. Who else got fired? I feel like there's a couple more. Hold on. The amount of vacancies right now, I would like to see at least three black head coaches, man. Texans, like, not there, though. No, 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 no. Don't go there. Don't go there. Like, I would like to see. Oh, the Jags. The Jags. I would like to see. And maybe the Raiders. Maybe they don't want Versace. I would like to see Byron Leftwich go back to the Jaguars. I mean, he quarterback there. I feel like he could do a good job down there in Jacksonville. Um, Eric Bieniemy. Would the Chiefs let him go? Well, they wouldn't have a choice. Maybe the Raiders for him. You know, like I don't know, man. I don't know, and it's like we don't even got to look at the big coordinators. I mean, there are guys working on these staffs that possibly have, you know, interviews lined up. But I'll tell you what. All of you poachers out there, you stay the hell away from Nathaniel Hackett. All right. He's my offensive coordinator. Okay. He's going to continue being a Green Bay Packer. Understand what I'm saying? Okay. You stay away from him. You vultures. But yeah, man, all seriousness, all jokes aside, it's just, it's hard to see, man. It, it, it really is. It just, it's just hard to see. It's frustrating. And it's like, we talk about change, and where is it? Where is the change? Why are we still talking about change when we talk when we come when it comes to black head coaches in the NFL? I don't know. I don't know. It it, it just it it just bothers me, man. It does. It really does. Um, let's see. Where to next? Where to next? Let's talk about the MVP race, because I guess at this point right now, it's down to, you know, we're, we're at a point where we've, we've gotten down our two candidates now. We got Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of people are saying a lot of things. A lot of people are saying a lot of things. Man. That's that's what a lot of people are saying. Uh, It can go either way. It could definitely go either way. I mean, Tom Brady has had monster games. You know, five touchdowns against the Dolphins. He's had some monster games. 
okay? But he has also had a couple not-so-monster games. And if we're talking about the MVP, we're talking about stats and everything, let's let's look at them in their totality, right? Let's let's compare them side by side. And I'm gonna give Aaron, I'm gonna give Tom Brady a fair shake. I'm not here, you know, be biased, right? You guys know this is an Aaron Rodgers stand account, but we can we can take a look at them side by side. First, I want I want to take a look at the teams that they've both played this season. Aaron Rodgers has played the Rams. Tom Brady has played the Rams as well. So when Tom Brady played the Rams, he threw for 432 yards, one touchdown, zero uh, interceptions, QBR of 103.0. All right, not bad, but and they lost, right? They lost that game. Uh, yeah, they did lose. They did lose to the Rams, yeah? Let's go. Let's go over here. Get a better look at things. Yeah, lost to the Rams. Damn, that was a good game. He threw the ball 55 times. My God. Um, Aaron Rodgers played the Rams, right? We won that game. Packers won that game. Let's look at his stats against the Rams there. Let's see. Give me a minute. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 307 yards. All right, they both they both had good outings against the Rams, but one won and one lost. Uh, who else did they both play this year? New Orleans. Well, you know, Brady plays New Orleans twice. That's his division. But he got shut out in December, nine to nothing. Zero touchdowns, one interception, two hundred fourteen yards, QBR of fifty seven point one. That's nasty, right? That's disgusting. Another loss. Four touchdowns, two picks. How many multiple interception games has he thrown? Uh, one, two, two, two. I mean, but they're accompanied with like hella touchdowns. Brady has had a season, bro. Like, I can't even, there's nothing I can, like, take away from him. I mean, the the, the, sh- the shutout against New Orleans is bad. You know, losing to the Washington football team is bad. Two touchdowns, two picks, 220. When Rodgers played Washington, he put up three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 274. I mean, but in, t- in its totality, bro, you look at Rodgers, 40 total touchdowns, 37 passing touchdowns, and four interceptions. That's insane. That's insane. That ratio is nuts, bro. That ratio is nuts. Like, that's a wild ratio. Brady has 43 total touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He, le- he led the league in uh, passing yards for 53-16. 67 completion rate percentage. Uh, Rodgers has 68.9 completion, 41.15 yards, only four interceptions. The stretch of football that Rodgers had played, they compared it to the run the table season. It, it was eerily similar. Like, eerily similar, bro. Eerily similar. I don't know, man. It's close. It's close. It really is close. I mean, you gotta you gotta think, man. Tom Brady at at his uh, Jurassic age, at his Jerusalem age, at his biblical age, at his land before time age, at his nineteen fifties age, at his black and white age, at his radio show age, at his prehistoric age. At his civil rights movement age, Tom Brady is old. Tom Brady is 58 years old. Like, he's playing football. Tom Brady just turned 107 last week, right? Like, Tom Brady's an old man, bro, and he's still doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not taking that away from him. I'm not. But there's always a but. When we look at the award, I say this every year. Let's break down what the award is. Most valuable player. Aaron Rodgers missed the game this season. He missed the game this season. I forgot that. That's why they put 13 and 3, because he didn't play in the Chiefs game. Right, so he did go 13 and 3. He missed the game against the Chiefs. 
Packers didn't lose by much, but they lost. If Aaron Rodgers plays against the Chiefs, you guys think the Packers win that game? That right there is why I say he's the most valuable player. Because without him, the Packers don't win a lot. They don't win a lot. They just, it just doesn't happen. Aaron Rodgers, without his, you know, come on, man, the Cardinals game, without his stars, come on, still wins. Come on, man. That was big. Beating 49ers on the road was big. Rodgers has had some big games this year. Brady's been lighting it up statistically. It could go either way. Like, I, I wouldn't be mad if they gave it to Brady. I mean, we all know about the MVP curse, allegedly, but. I don't. I really. I mean, I, at this point, I really don't think that Rogers cares either. And then you got to put into account the things that's been going on off the field with the COVID stuff, the immune, the immunized and the vaccinated stuff, and how people are going to feel about that. I mean, we've already seen one guy, you know. So go ahead and give it to Brady, man. Give it to him. He 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 deserves it as well. They both deserve it. But I ran a poll on Instagram yesterday, and eighty-seven percent of the people who voted in the poll, out of uh, roughly thirty-five. Voted for Aaron Rodgers, so I don't know. I don't know. If I had an MVP vote, MVP vote, it would definitely go to the GOAT, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, come on. Come on. What are, what are we saying here? What are we saying? I'm just saying. Um, Let's see. What's next? Who is next? Um, Before we get to the wild card weekend. Before we get to wild card weekend. I want to talk about athletes in their documentaries. Because I was watching, I started watching the Joe Montana documentary. I didn't finish it. Because it was boring. Well, I was busy. I'm going to, when I'm not busy, I'll try to get it. But, when I look at 30 for 30s, you know, ESPN's 30 for 30s. They're timepieces. It feels like I'm like going back in time. Like everything just feels so authentic. Like the Steve Bartman one, the uh, uh, not Johns Hopkins, the Duke Lacrosse one. Any thirty for thirty, man. That they're, they're all great. Then NFL films, they do great work as well. Um, with the the timeline. Uh, like, they did a timeline episode. Um, a lot of people probably haven't seen this. I think it was from 2017, and they had did one on the tuck rule. Like, there were some reenactments that I can't even describe to you without you seeing them. Like, it was so crazy how they did this. And then you have last year. Wait, was that last year or the year before? Jesus. That a year before? When did we see the the, the last dance? Is that twenty twenty? That was twenty twenty. Wow. Last dance came out. It felt like we were there because it was that was the point. Like that was footage filmed during the last dance. Like it was like a time capsule of stuff. You know. Then we had you know partnered up with the interviews and stuff like that. And the, the footage from the news. The Oh, like it felt so good. I wish, you know, this was, I had a live audience here, but I would say by a show of hands, who has watched Tom Brady's 10 part documentary on ESPN plus? Nobody. Oh, okay. This is not a knock on Tom Brady, but Tom one, you're still playing Two. I don't think anybody outside of New England really cares about this. Like, Tom, you've never really had any. I mean, you've had the scandal, you know, with the the balls. And, you know, you're not going to. They didn't talk about Aaron Hernandez on there, I would assume. Because we did. We would have heard about that. So it's a pretty vanilla documentary. Like, nobody cares about how you won all these games and Super Bowls and 
There is no drama. There's no, like, nobody cares, man. It's boring. It's boring stuff. And from what I've seen clips-wise, it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Like, what is there to see? Like, what is there to know that would blow my mind about the Patriots winning Super Bowls? Like, and Tom Brady winning and his winning weight. I don't think so. Now, now, if we, when we get to the last couple years, when things got rough, even with the Super Bowl victory, I mean, you talk about the Jimmy G situation during the suspension. You talk about the the, the rift between maybe Kraft and Belichick, you and your last season. Now, now, I might tune in for that. That I might see. I would love to see how we go from New England. You get spanked at home. By the Titans, then you go to Tampa Bay, you wouldn't win. Now that's interesting. Would love to see that. Because Tampa, Tampa Tom is entertaining. He has personality. He's a cool guy. I would like to get to that part of the documentary. So when we get to the, the end of the New England run, beginning of where we are now, I would definitely tune in. But if you're talking anything prior to that, bro, I don't give a damn. Don't give a damn. It's boring stuff. I just feel like if you're going to do a documentary, if you don't have any, like, time capsule-type clips, like, behind-the-scenes footage, if it's stuff that we've seen already, we don't want to see that. And if the stories that you're retelling aren't gripping, you don't want to see that. Like, they're doing a 30-for-30 on the tuck rule, and he's going to be on there with Charles Woodson. I want to see that. Even though I already know the story of the Tuck Rule, that's one thing that I don't care how many documentaries they do on it. I'm gonna watch it because the Tuck Rule is that that whole event, everything surrounding it, everything that happened after it. Like we wouldn't even, we probably wouldn't even be talking about Tom Brady the way we talk about it right now if that doesn't happen. You look at how the Raiders changed; they traded John Gruden after that. You look at the the Tuck Rule itself. What it meant to the game, uh, you know, replaying and child, what it meant to the game. Like, that night changed a lot, bro. So that's an event that I would love to see again. Keep talking about it. It's interesting. So now we got Joe Montana has a five-part documentary. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to finish that. I'm After I finish recording Drop This Episode, I'll probably put it back on. But everybody doesn't need one. Like, if they did 30 for 30 on, they did Believe Land, but it wasn't about the Cavs, more so about the, the fans of Cleveland and all of the shortfalls they've had. That was crazy. I didn't know a lot of that stuff, like how close they were to winning and stuff like that, and, you know, how big it was for LeBron to come back and win one for them. That was cool from the fans' perspective. Um, the three falls of Buffalo, you know, Buffalo Bills going to three straight Super Bowls and not winning them. Like, stuff like that is interesting to me. I love timepieces. The best thing ever is the timeline. And it's so fitting that the 49ers and Cowboys are playing this weekend because the 49ers and Cowboys playoff rivalry goes way, way, way back. And if you guys have not seen the timeline I on that, the, two, the tale of two cities, strongly recommend it, man. Strongly recommend it. But I just think that, you know, after the last dance, a lot of older athletes wanted to get into that. Like, oh, I need one of those. I didn't ask for a 10-part Tom Brady's documentary. I didn't really put in a request for a five-part Joe Montana documentary, but I'm going to tune in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's what I'm, that's all I'm saying. Like, And then the production. If the production is dry, I'm good. Like. Bro, Tom Brady is sitting on a in front of a white screen, a white green screen. I think I'm okay. Like you can't even do it from the crib. Um, who else? Good WWE documentaries are always fire. They can't. They can. They do a lot of wrong, but they don't. They don't do those wrong. They are always fire. Always. But yeah, man, that's. I've been wanting to get that off my. I meant to talk about this last episode. But I forgot about it, and we ran like I ran out of time. But yeah, man, like 
I hope somebody's filming AB right now. Like, I really hope there's nonstop cameras on Antonio Brown. I hope there was a camera in the locker room after he ran off the field in MetLife. I hope there was a camera in the room with him the other night when he was in a room with Floyd Mayweather, Kanye West, Madonna was there. That is an insane lineup. Hope there were cameras filming during that. Like, AB has been running wild. Like, he was just in the studio with the game, Moneybag, yo, Kanye. He was in, He was with Fab the other day. I hope there are cameras following AB around and whatever the hell he's got going on. That's a documentary I would love to see. AB runs wild. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta see that. Um, Let's get to these games, man. Let's get to these games. So it's Super Wild Card Weekend. Super Wild Card Weekend. Let's do it. So let's start on the AFC side. So let's see, let's see, let's see. Saturday. Saturday starts off hot, man. We got the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to the Cincinnati Bengals on NBC at 430 Eastern Standard Time. This might be a banger. This this one might be a banger, man. I mean, you got Joe Burr, Joe Burr, I mean, Joe Shiesty, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon and the boys, man, versus Derek Carr, uh, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro. I mean, bro, Darren Waller, Max Crosby on the other side giving quarterbacks hell. These teams are both fire, man. They're like they like they just keep firing away. Um, and congratulations to Derek Carr finally making it to the playoffs, man. Congratulations to the Raiders. Seriously, after all they've been through this season with the John Gruden stuff, uh, Henry Ruggs incident, like they they have had a very tumultuous season. Shout out to uh, Rich Pasacha for getting this team this far and getting them uh, the five seed and surviving the season when nobody thought they would or could. So, I look at this game, and a lot of these games are rematches. Like, this is a rematch from this season. But what I usually would do is go back and, and, and see if the game they played weeks ago, no matter how many weeks ago, can tell us a story of what could possibly happen in a playoff game. But I don't think I'm going to do that this year because we, we really don't know. It's a new season. It's a brand new season. Uh, especially for teams who haven't played each other in months. I mean, the only game that is that you could possibly do that for is the Patriots and Bills because they've played each other recently, like two times recently. Um, but I'm really looking forward to see, you know, both of these quarterbacks, man. I don't know. After what I saw from the Raiders defense, they gave up a lot of points late in that Chargers game. That's what concerns me because the the Bengals, first of all, the Bengals are still scoring. Uh, they're still scoring on the Ravens. They haven't stopped scoring. The the Bengals don't stop scoring, bro. They don't stop. They they don't they don't stop. So you look at a team like that, and you know both defenses are, eh, you know. I think I'm going to roll with the Bengals on this one at home, man. I'm taking the Bengals. I think the Bengals are just going to be a little bit too much. For this Raiders defense, um, even with Max Crosby, but yeah, I, I'm I'm taking the Bengals at home. Then we look at this game right here. Look, man, we got two divisional teams, teams, AFC East teams. Got the AFC champion Bills at home. Um, what's the weather going to be like in Buffalo this weekend? I know it's going to be. I know it's. I think the high is supposed to be like six, and it's a night game. It's going to be cold out there. Um, last time the the Patriots were up in Buffalo. They ran, literally ran through the Bills um, in a in a very strange game. But I don't think wind will be a factor this weekend. So we're going to see a little bit of – we're going to see some differences, you know, offense and defense. You know, they're both going to throw stuff at each other because they know each other so well. Going to throw things at each other they may be haven't seen. Um, you know, this is Mac Jones' first playoff appearance. This Patriots defense, they're they're stout. Uh, the Bills defense, they're stout. 
last time that Mac Jones saw this Bills defense, he threw some interceptions. <sighs> I don't know, man. Josh Allen. See, look, the problem is with the Bills, man. It's the same thing that has always been their problem. Running the football, man. I do not have faith in their running backs. Mm. Mm. Mm-mm. You know what? I'm taking the Patriots on the road. I'm taking the Patriots on the road. I think the Patriots are going to beat the Bills. Oh, wow. I just said that. Wow. I, and I love Buffalo. That's the thing. I really, I love the Bills, bro. I love the Bills. But I'm taking Buffalo. I'm taking New England on the road. Now, the last AFC matchup is a matchup that nobody expected to happen. Nobody wanted to happen. We actually wanted, we were rooting for a tie. So this game wouldn't happen. But somehow, the Pittsburgh Steelers have weaseled their way into the playoffs as the last seed, the number seven seed. And they will be traveling uh, Sunday night to Kansas City to see the Kansas City Chiefs. This is Big Ben's last ride. I don't think Big Ben expected this. I think Big Ben thought his last meaningful game would be at home in Pittsburgh. Don't think he expected to beat the Ravens. I, I really don't think anybody in Pittsburgh in that building expected this. I don't think they expect to be playing football this weekend. I think that's a big shock to them, and I think that's going to give them a big jolt. Seriously. I mean, Juju was designated to uh, Corvette. Corvette, okay. Um, Najee is supposed to be healthy. You know, I don't know. He had a little injury the other day. He might be okay. But the Steelers team is hype, bro. They're hype. They're hype. They're hungry. They didn't expect to be here. Mike Tomlin has a lot riding on this. Big Ben has a lot riding on this. My only concern is if they get behind, is Big Ben going to be able to shoot it out with Patrick Mahomes? And that's not – don't see that happening. So here's here's what has to happen for them. First of all, they have to run the football. They're going to have to run the football. And they can on this defense. They're going to have to run the football. But when it does come time to throw it, all Big Ben has to do is look for number 49 on the Chiefs defense. Even Jordan Love knew that, but he found out too late. Number 49 on the Chiefs defense is a liability. Find him, Ben. Find him. All they got to do is get up. They can't get behind too far, man. You don't want this to turn into a two-possession game. Keep it within one. That's all you can do. Defense has to get stops, man. Mahomes is going to make mistakes, man, but you have to capitalize on it. Um, you know, Deontay Johnson, his hands have to be ready. Claypool has to be ready. Um, Fryermuth, they all have to be ready, man. But something is telling me that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to shock the world. I'm taking the Steelers on the road, man. I'm taking the Steelers on the road. I'm taking the Steelers on the road. I really think that they're going to do this for Ben, and I think that the Steelers are going to make a deeper run than everybody expects. All right, so let's get to the NFC side of things. We're starting off with the Philadelphia Eagles against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, that game, I was at work yesterday, and they had that game on. The Eagles played them tough. But, man, Jalen Hurts, I don't know about him. I don't know about him. Now, they can run the football, but are they going to run the football on the Bucs? Like, they, you know, they, 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 did, they did okay against the Bucs, but that was – I don't know. I don't know. They did force two turnovers from Brady, but I don't know. They gotta, they're going to have to play a perfect ball game, man. They're going to have to play a perfect ball game. Now, last year, we do remember, you know, the Washington football team gave Brady a run for his money. You know, Brady, is a, you know, he's not too fond to NFC East football teams. Lost to the Washington football team not over the season. I mean, I don't know. You know, but my concern is Jalen Hurts. I don't know if he's ready for this moment yet. You know, I would like to see the upset, but I'm going to have to, unfortunately, take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. I'm sorry about that. Now, 4.30 on uh, Sunday, during Super Wild Card Weekend, we got the 49ers against the Dallas Cowboys. 
this is this is like the most interesting game on the NFC side this weekend because these are two physical teams. Physical offensive line for the Dallas Cowboys, physical D-line for the 49ers. Um Physical secondary on both sides. Physical linebackers. You got Fred Warner, Michael Parsons, um, Diggs. This is going. This is going to be a good game, bro. I'm I'm excited to see that. Um, who is sticking Debo? That's what it's going to come down to. Debo is going to be the difference maker here. Uh, you know, is Jimmy? Does Jimmy G have another game in him? Like he, like Jimmy G was shooting. Uh. In LA. I don't know if y'all watched that game, but Jimmy G was shooting. He was shooting. Dallas is gonna have to strap up big time. Like big time. They haven't seen I don't know, man. They haven't seen anything like this. It's gonna be this is one of those games where you gotta wear your mouthpiece, you gotta strap up tight. It's gonna get physical out there. Um, you know, can this line hold up? You know, they've had injuries on that line. You know, what what is Zeke gonna be up to doing? Because the Rams, then they couldn't buy a rushing yard last week. They couldn't buy a rushing yard. So if the 49ers defense comes out and stops the run like that, I mean, but, you know, Dak can still be Dak. But, hey, man, hey, you, you, you take Zeke out of the equation, you take Tony Pollard out of the equation, and you, you make Dak throw the ball 40-plus times. Like, you got a ball game here. Then... On the flip side of that, I'm looking at Jimmy G against this Dallas Cowboys secondary. Now, they run the ball with Debo. They run the ball with Elijah Mitchell. And Elijah Mitchell, he came on heavy in the second half against the Rams last week. They can run the football and keep the ball out of Jimmy G's hands for as much as they can. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that Jimmy G wasn't shooting, but come on, this is the, this is the it, he has the Rams number. They haven't played the Cowboys this season. This Cowboys defense is legit. I'm taking the 49ers on the road. I think the 49ers are the most dangerous team in the NFC in this wild card race right now. I, I really think that even though the Cardinals are undefeated on the road and they're going to see Matt Safford and the Rams, I think the 49ers are, are, are the team that everybody should be afraid of. And if my pick is right, if the Eagles can't beat the Bucks, the 49ers got to come to Green Bay next week, let's do it. But those boys are dangerous. And the last game is Monday night. We've got the Cardinals going up against the Rams. Now, watching these teams last week, I don't know what the hell is going on with the Cardinals' offensive line, but Kyler Murray was not running for his life. He was fighting for his life. He got sacked so many times. Look at Matt Stafford, man. He, he's been turning the ball over so many times, man. Every time he throws up a deep ball, I call a pick in the air. Did that twice during the broadcast last week. And what were the interceptions? This is a division matchup. It's the third time they've seen each other. This isn't even really a home game for the Rams. There's going to be a sea of red there. The Cardinals fans are going to be deep. The Cardinals have been unstoppable on the road this season. My concern is Matt Stafford's arm. And if they can run the ball. J.J. Watt's back for the Cardinals. Don't know if that means anything. But I've seen Kyler Murray fold in primetime multiple times this season. I think I'm going to take the Rams at home. So my final picks, locking them in. Let's start from the top. I'm taking the Bengals over the Raiders, Patriots over the Bills, Bucks over the Eagles, 49ers over the Cowboys, Steelers over the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm taking the Rams over the Cardinals. That's my picks for Wild Card, Super Wild Card Weekend, man. I'm really excited for these games. I think they're going to be great games. Um, uh, I'll be at work tomorrow, so I'll be watching those games at, at, at the job. But um, next weekend, I'm off all weekend. And I already, you know, come on, man. Come on. Come on. Next weekend is where it gets real. But I'm excited for this game, man. These games. You guys know playoff football is the best football. Football is the best sport in the world. Okay, I'm not talking about soccer. I'm talking about football, el football americano. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the clock here. I could push it to an hour. I, I would like to push it to an hour. Is there anything else I could talk to you guys about for these last five minutes? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Something cool. Something cool. Somebody tell me something cool to talk about. I don't know, man. The, the WWE's opened up the forbidden door. That's cool. That's a cool thing. That's a cool thing. Man, let me get y'all out of here. I ain't going to do that to y'all. I ain't going to do that to y'all. If it's an hour, it's an hour. If not, it's not. Right? It don't matter. Um, Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm sorry for the wait. Sorry for it was late. You know, I was supposed to get in here yesterday, but Friday it is. I'm happy I'm here, yo. Happy I'm here. Um, shout out to Stadium Scene TV. Thank you guys for listening. Um, make sure you tune in. Sunday, I'm calling the game, the 49ers and Cowboys game live on ColorCast. Thank you guys for tuning in last week. Follow me on ColorCast. Download the ColorCast app. Um, shout out to all the listeners. Make sure you keep listening, man. Keep uh, retweeting these episodes, liking, following, all that good stuff. You can follow me on social media at Eric Lines TV. All that good stuff, man. And, and for the one, oh, this is the last episode of the 160s. Hey. And for the 100, 69th time, I'm Eric Lyons, and you have just been electrified.